podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we descend into the first international break of the season and take a much-needed breather from FPL this week after a truly befuddling opening four game weeks. It's gone from Fantasy Penalty League to Fantasy WTAF League, hasn't it? Now, uh, we slated last week's pod as making sense of the madness, and in some ways we could run the exact same pod again. But this time, you know, we've got four weeks worth of data, so we're going to properly dip our toe into the stats water on this one and see what we can see, I suppose. We've got the usual full house of co-hosts today. Nick, you're right. Trans- windows about to slam shut are you avidly keeping up as you record the pod i kind of got over the old sort of transfer window waiting for last minute news up until midnight and certainly this year with spurs it's a lot better isn't it previous years i'm thinking are we going to actually sign anyone at all but we, we've done all our business already yeah. it's very yeah very good for us so i'm, I'm not not too gripped on my TV, but um, yeah, as you said, it's definitely felt like a really topsy-turvy week after Sunday's games were just absolutely crazy. But we've, we've got a couple of weeks now, haven't we, before the next uh, Premier League football, so maybe things will calm down. Either that or we'll see a repeat of 15-16 where all the top teams drop the ball and Leicester won the Premier League, so maybe that will happen again. So if you've um, if forgotten who we are, we are Who Got The Assist, and you can find us generally on Twitter or Instagram if you want to give us a follow there, wgta.fpl. Um, welcome to the new listeners as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you like what you hear. And finally, if you want to join our league as well, the league code is CPSULF. Anthony, how are you? Evening, lads. Another poor uh, FPL game week for me, but you know that's becoming par for the course for all of us so far this season. So I'll I'll get by with that. Um, unlike pretty much everyone else in the FPL world, I'm very much looking forward to this international break because it is the most consequential Ireland game of the year, a playoff against Slovakia, uh, which would put us one step closer to qualifying for the Euros that may or may not happen next summer. So. Anyway, we'll move on from my Ireland talk because uh, talk of 1-1 draws or 2-1 wins or 1-0 wins is pretty boring. Agenda for today's pod. What can we tell from the first four weeks that we can look forward with? Because, of course, it's been so unpredictable. There's been obviously penalties, but there's so much more that we could probably read into four weeks of data at this point. So we're going to try and work that out for you. We'll move on to the correspondence section, everyone's favorite thing, and the Q&A at the end. But first off, we're going to do our market forces and our game week reviews. Yeah, let's take the game reviews first, get them out of the way, because it was a pretty quiet game week, wasn't it? I mean, the three of us were just comparing notes before came on air, and uh, yeah, it appears I've won out of the 51. That is the state of things at the moment. I might as well just keep going. Um, so 51 this week, key bright spots were Salah, Hammers, and McCarthy. McCarthy got me a nine-pointer. Um, Rodriguez with that 18 points really, really saved my ass, really. And uh, Salah with the 13, but lots of disappointment. Kevin De Bruyne in the second arm blank in a row. That's obviously really disappointing. Um, my vice-captain, Jimenez, I specifically really bought Jimenez for this fixture. Um, another blank. And Richarlison taken off uh, after 25 minutes uh, with ankle knack. And uh, Anthony Marshall got an assist and then proceeded to get himself sent off after Lamella fell to the floor like uh, what Graham Sinis with the scrap number and go there um, but yeah anyway 51 points not great um, a laughable green arrow I got, rose 20k places guys from 1.85 million to 1.83 million so course celebrational round but yeah um, I'm glad that I banked the transfer more than anything um, so now I've got two frees to play with I'm going to be removing Martial um, probably looking to do a few bits and pieces but yeah no, I'm glad the international break too because it's been quite punishing hasn't it uh, who's second I think it's Anthony isn't it 
It is, yeah. I didn't think I'd be second, but here we are. I only got 40 points, and uh, probably more distressingly, uh, I had as many players who got minus points as who actually returned anything at all. Uh, those returns came from Mo Salah, who I didn't captain, so unfortunately, only 40 points, really. And Callum Wilson, who got 16 points. And to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure where we'd be if I didn't have Callum Wilson this week. It could have been a complete disaster of unbelievable proportions so we'll take it uh danny ing's captaincy didn't work out richarlison like you tom foden de bruyne continuing the misery ollie burke with one point james justin with one point then Juan basaka and trent alexander arnold both obviously on the ends of pretty big pumping so minus one each and aaron ramsdale more disappointment from him he is gone along with so many of the rest of those players i've just named because i'm now wildcard active which was something I'd been mooting on the pods for the last few weeks, but had to be done. I bled so much value. I only had a team value of a bit of 100.5 going into Sunday, and that was after I'd pulled the wildcard on, on Saturday night and actually gained 0.3 in value, which would just tell you basically how many of the players that I picked in my game week one squad had dropped in value and who just hadn't performed, I guess. So I've, I've already had two game week ranks above 4.5 million, 2.1 million overall. It could be a lot worse, I think, but at the same time, I really do need to kind of take executive action and make some moves. So the wildcard will hopefully help me do that. I got 43 points overall, but because of the minus four, that makes it 39 net. So yeah, pretty pretty damn dreadful. It's just certainly been a bit of a flip-flop in terms of my game week round. Vardy blanking, he's acting like the inverse on the moon for from, from my team right now. And my hit actually kind of netted out anyway, um, because I got in Calvert-Lewin, who got me six points compared to Werner. Mitrovic, who, who blanked anyway, so I wasn't punished by the hit, but still, I, I brought in Danny Ings and gave him the armband, but of course, sort of Johnston decided to show up, so that didn't work out. So apart from Calvert-Lewin, my only other returns was, was a nine-pointer from uh, McCarthy in goal, and uh, Mo Salah, who also picked up 13 points, also had uh, Basuma on the bench, but unfortunately he was blocked because Podence decided to actually play this week. So Maximin obviously scoring as well punished me even further because he, he went on the hit for Podence, like many a manager, and then Podence decides to block my Basuma points and play this week. It's just oh, a bit of a shambles, very frustrating, painful. but it is what it is. And, and as, as we say, you move on. Yeah, we do indeed. And we will move on to the market forces. Let's see what's been going on because obviously there's a lot of grievance this week, a lot of anger. Yeah, we like to Timo Werner, lots of why the F did I hold him uh, being spouted on Twitter. What's been going on, Nick? How is the market reacting? Especially helpful for Stag as well because he's on that wild card. Yeah, the, the market's been really, really busy actually. There's already been 660,000 transfers in for Min Son. It's just that roller coaster just seems to be going on and on because he was most transferred out and he's most transferred in, most transferred out. Now he's the most transferred in yet again. Surely he can't make it five weeks in a row, we'll have to see. But obviously, an excellent performance for him in the last game week. So, so many managers rightfully bringing, bringing him in this week. But yeah, he's. he's uh, his uh, transfers all over the shop, really dominating the market forces and the conversations so far uh, this season. But otherwise, um, it's also James Rodriguez, Tom's man, also being heavily brought in from another excellent performance from him. He's had 437,000 transfers out. And as you mentioned, Tom, the, the player being mostly sold is, is Timo Werner, 266,000 transfers out. He's looking like a very expensive ball and chain in, in many people's FPL team, especially considering... Um, how many budget forwards are, are firing so far? 
Yeah, so that's the third consecutive time that we've seen Werner here. So his he's now fallen down to 9.3. And he's not the only one that we've seen falling into these uh, consecutive weeks featuring in this uh, particular slot. We've got, in terms of the defenders, uh, TAA and Matt Doherty is actually in there for the fourth time in a row as amongst the most transferred out defenders. Whereas the, the most transferred in defender is, it's basically a reaction to last week. It's Ben Chilwell. He's already up to 5.6 after a debut 18 points for Chelsea, transferred in by 360,000 teams. Followed by Castagna, he's been pretty much in this slot every week as well as one of the most transferred in defenders, 130k or so. Obviously three attacking returns in the first few games, but nothing in game week four, just the point there. Yeah, and otherwise it's, it's Calvert-Lewin and Kane, obviously um, two very popular forwards based on their performances so far, being heavily bought, rounding up the sort of the transfers in, 350,000 transfers in for DCL and 270,000 transfers in for Harry Kane. Uh, but um, it's also De Bruyne and Aubameyang that are being sold as well. So De Bruyne is the second most transferred out player with 210,000 transfers out. A lot of people perhaps um, going to get punished by that one, I suspect. And Aubameyang, um, 190,000 transfers. He was looking pretty good at the start of the season with his reclassification, but he's He's really struggled to, to impact the game so far for, for Arsenal and sort of being shunted out on the wing. A bit like Timo Werner's not, not doing him um, too much good in terms of attacking return so far. DCL is now up to 7.6 million, so obviously nobody's been rising like him. Um, 0.6 in value gain is, is pretty massive, and I think he's definitely staking the claim to being the new postman taking that, off, uh, that title off Raul Jimenez. Another six points this week, scoring in every single game so far. Pretty impressive. Cool. All right. Thanks, Nick. Um, very interesting to see how it's going. Obviously, we've got a couple of weeks now, so I don't know. Maybe we'll see a few more rises and falls, but I suspect it might be a little bit of a quiet couple of weeks um, in the international break. It always does tend to be. Cool. All right. So let's move on to the main topic this week. Can we return anything from the first four weeks? Well, I mean, I put the question out initially, and it does seem like there's a little bit of a... a anger, fatigue, negativity about how the first four weeks have gone. People at Ant Dickinson asked us how to delete their team. FPL Chocolate asked, do we even get FPL points? How do we even get FPL points? And Queevian FPL asks, what the hell is going on simply? Um, But there's a good question this week from Ryan Lee, who asked, penalties aside, what are some trends you guys have observed so far? And that epitomised what we're looking at today. What can we tell after four weeks? I guess we're looking forward as well. We've got four weeks of data now, and we're going to be breaking that down into mini trends, I guess. These are um, the best team, the best players. I think we're each going to nominate three. The star, this course, be the best player. Uh, the surprise and the flop, all so far, which kind of will help us to just assess really what we've seen so far. And as Anthony mentioned, how that may translate into future things. I mean, it has been crazy, hasn't it? 144 goals in 38 games. That's 3.78 goals per game. The highest ratio of goals per game since the 1929-1930 season. There's an average of around 40 more goals than usual compared to the last 10 years, um, which is just just mental. Um, penalties as well. I'll just give you an update on that. Less in the zeitgeist this week. But there's 25 that have been given. 23 have been scored. That's an 8% miss ratio compared to the usual 17%. Um, last season, um, we hit 25 penalties in game week 15, which is early December. So it's quite something to hit it at the conclusion of game week four. So yeah, absolutely crazy. But let's try our best to use some data to try to figure out if there's anything we can take from what we've seen thus far, starting with the best team, or is it the best teams? It may be uh, a couple in the running here. What do you guys have for this? Uh, Anthony, who have you gone for? 
it's it's very hard to look beyond either Everton or Villa for this particular slot. And I think I'm going to go for Everton in this. And from an FPL perspective, I think it's that once you'd kind of got game week one and game week two out of the way, I think you could definitely say that what we thought would be dependable returns from their players have definitely come. So that would be from Dominic Calvert-Lewin and James Rodriguez. Unfortunately, then you and I, Tom, have suffered at the hands of Richarlison, who in spite of, you know, he flattered to deceive really. He had so many shots, but wasn't able to pull it together. And Nick, you suffered with Lucas Dina. So there has been that other side to this Everton side. But of course, when they've won four games in a row, they've scored nicely on the way to that 12 goals so far. It's just been pretty brilliant, really. And they're, they're, you don't need to really unearth too many details to be able to tell you that. And of course, with the DCL returning every week, Camus Rodriguez has just added so many extra dimensions to their game, which have been highlighted on any show you watch at any time. It's just that creativity that they you know, sometimes didn't have, that belief that they sometimes didn't have is definitely there. And even... I think we're seeing their defence, whilst it hasn't necessarily returned handsomely so far, we're definitely seeing you know, pretty good indications from there. If they didn't have Jordan Pickford in goals, I see there are rumours that they might be making a deadline day move for a goalkeeper tonight. If that were to happen, especially, I think this Everton defence would look even more attractive. But already we've seen goals from Yerry Mina and Michael Keane, and that's definitely not a mistake. Keane has definitely spoken about there being an emphasis put on evading his marker and getting on headers at corners and the like to return more goals. And so just overall, this Everton team is turning into threats across the board where we could definitely look at them for our FPL teams. Yeah, definitely. They're the top, aren't they, at the moment? Most goals, most assists. They've actually scored the most FPL points this season so far amongst teams, 2-2-2. Interestingly, the other team that you nominated, Anthony Villa, they're second in terms of FPL points scored, 2-17. Third, West Ham. 204. Wow. Um, funnily enough, I had a different team in mind. I thought you were going to say a different team other than Villa. Uh, that's Spurs. Far be it from me to be praising Spurs and Arsenal fan, yada, 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 tribal stuff, blah. Um, but they've had the most big chances. They've had the most shots on target. They've had the most big chances created, the best XGI, and they've had the joint most um, goals scored and assists made. Um, I think with Spurs, it's really important to say here that sometimes we don't foresee things, um, obviously. And I think it's really clear with Spurs that the negativity around Mourinho at the start of the season the alley mishap, the Son Hokey Coke, many managers have been on, on the wrong side of. I mean, it may be games have been favourable to them, but looking around my, my mini leagues, the people who are killing it at the moment are really unfamiliar faces, all of whom are Spurs fans who have been on double Kane and Son since the beginning and have captained one of them most weeks. It's been absolute madness, but it is more of a case of, uh, okay, maybe with Everton, it's the uh, kind of the outcomes um, in players later. I'll come into that a little bit more, but with Spurs, I think it is just how different they've looked. Um, even James from Planet FPL was saying that they think something's really changed there with them and certainly over the next four fixtures. I mean, it is looking pretty good after we get back, isn't it? I challenge you on this, Tom. Yeah, like, sure. the, the, the fact of the matter is you've picked a team that's won twice, drawn once and lost once to Everton Yeah. in um, this. And it's like from an FPL perspective, sure, they've had two good games. But the fact of the matter is that like it was an imploding 10-man Man United who were just handing them goals and a Southampton team playing Harry Carey with a high line and just seemingly not learning whatsoever and the way they struggled against Everton and particularly against Newcastle would actually make me nervous for let's say the double up sure it's very hard to argue with anybody who's going to go ahead with one Spurs player at least um, well Son or Kane effectively but to talk about them as you know the best team so far 
I don't know about that. Like, I can totally see how you could end- identify one of their players as a star player or whatever. But to say best team... I mean, we're talking too. from an FPL perspective here, not from a football perspective, aren't we? And, and in terms of, I guess, the, the FPL potential from that team in terms of the data that they're showing in terms of attacking. I mean, I'll take your point about it being two fixtures really driving it and obvious caveat is that we've got a very small sample size and people could say, well, you've got to remove this game, remove that game. Like, Even as this crazy season goes, there were two absolutely insane games that you can kind of know, point to where Spurs did well, you know? They're still, it's still apples of apples, right? Every game is played in the same conditions and you can't discount freak results from the data. I mean, later on in the season, we may look at some stuff where we say, all right, non-top six only, here's how they've done. But at the moment, we've got to make, make the most of what we've got. And the fact is those games happen, those goals happen. I think you get into different territory when you start saying, well, that's not really a goal. Well, that doesn't really count. And the, the data is still good enough, even though probably would accept that Everton probably a little bit better anyway nick you've been very patient uh, what's your view on all this so i mean i'd probably agree with anthony there in terms of good man it's, it's everton i think <laughs> my, my problem with spurs is as as, as was said it's been two very excellent two fantastic performances but there's been two very frustrating ones to accompany them especially as a fan obviously the first game against everton was dreadful and then the final game against Newcastle, of course, they were one nil up, and then you know they were unfortunate to see to see that penalty um, in the last minute. But you know they struggled to to penetrate that defence, and I think that's probably part of the concern there with, with Spurs. They're very good on, on the counter attack; they're looking excellent on the counter attack. But when teams put ten men behind the ball, they seem to be struggling a little bit, and that's that's shown from their home form as opposed to their away form. Whilst with Everton, we've seen that they certainly can perform away and at home, so they beat. West Brom 5-2 in game week two and they beat Brighton 4-2 in, in game four. So they are, as far as I'm concerned, the most impressive team so far. And also, I say from an FPL perspective, what's great about Everton compared to Spurs is the prices. So much harder for us to afford two Spurs players compared to affording two Everton players or even a triple up in Everton. Finally, I'd, I'd also like to quickly reiterate Aston Villa. If they'd played four games, perhaps we'd all be talking about them right now. But the fact is they've only played three games. But they won three games and they got two clean sheets and they scored seven past Liverpool. So what the hell is that all about? So you've had Grealish, who would have been the player you'd identified as a talisman. Three goals, three assists. Of course, a lot of that came against Liverpool, but they hit another game where he did score as well. And then you've had Tyrone Mings and Konsa, both returning goals, both getting those clean sheets, obviously. And Emi Martinez as well in Nets, the best 4.5 keeper, now 4.6 in the game as it stands now. I mean, couldn't you make the same argument, though, about Aston Villa in the 7-2 against Liverpool that you made against me mentioning Spurs? I guess, like, OK, I'm saying that Grealish, as the talisman you would have identified, returned in two games. One of them, he returned, you know, against Liverpool. Obviously, the, the number of returns he got was pretty striking. But at the same time, he would still have been the player that you would have identified in that Villa team. Like, I'm not necessarily yeah. saying we should be picking Conor Howrahan or Ollie Watkins because <laughs> yeah. we don't have much to work off here, but they've had good games, both of them. Um, Mings and Konsa didn't get much from the Liverpool game, but they've both scored this season. Mings has also got an assist. They both got their clean sheets. Konsa's probably better on the bonus points when they get a clean sheet. And then Emi Martinez has got his clean sheets as well. So that's definitely not taking the, uh, the Liverpool game into account at all for those two. Cool. I mean, it's just such a small sample size, isn't it, overall, that it's very hard to be making any kind of concrete judgments from three, four games. And I do want to quickly, before we move on to this section, shout out West Ham, though. Um, they've had the third most shots in the box and created the third most big chances. 
the reason I want to shout them out though is because most people, including us, looked at the season start and thought, ew, nah. Obviously, some people had Suchet, but they had Newcastle, Arsenal, Wolves, and Leicester over their first four, and they've still got a, a group of terrible fixtures to come. But the last two results in particular just spectacular, but, and they've scored the most FPL points of any team over the last two game weeks. David Moyes, the best work from home manager ever. Um, I can't ever remember a case where a manager's absence um, has made the team so demonstrably better maybe he should just stay at home and remove himself uh, from uh, West Ham touchline duties forever huh but it sounds like we're kind of zeroing on Everton at least as being uh, the, the, team, the team so far um I mean the next few they're okay Liverpool yeah okay that's that's it could be a tough game but given how Liverpool just did you know so you, you might actually expect that to be quite an interesting one Southampton Newcastle and Man, Man United do you guys see any uh, let up in their momentum I mean obviously we've got the COVID context etc cetera, etc cetera, but anything beyond that you looked at those fixtures you say okay Liverpool and Manchester United look like hard games but as we saw they just conceded 13 goals between them in, in the last game week so I can see plenty more goals coming for the likes of Calvert Lewin for the likes of Hamas Rodriguez unfortunately because I don't own him and depends if Richardson's injured or not but he, he's certainly going to get involved in terms of the goals and assists as well they're looking like a really really strong unit I mean defensively I'm not sure how many clean sheets they're going to be getting. I think certainly if you've got a double up on the Everton attack, by all means keep it. And if you don't have a double up or you don't have an Everton player, don't don't be frightened by that Liverpool fixture and, and still go for them because they, they've just been brilliant so far. It seems like this Everton team are quite knitted together. I, I don't think that they'll comprehensively beat Liverpool. I think they could beat Liverpool, but I think more than likely, given what just happened to Liverpool, I, I expect them to come out of the traps and you know take the win over Everton or get a, a draw there. And then Everton can move on from there. You, you wouldn't be fearful of them against most other teams in the league, though. I think they're well able to exploit things. Calvert-Lewin does seem like a, you know, a form-ish type striker, a streaky striker, um, but he's currently very much on a streak so we'll just we'll believe in it for now (laughs) and um see what happens later i think there's been an awful lot of talk about how ancelotti's been working on him to do uh first time finishes and that's definitely been a hallmark of his early season form and it's 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 hard to know of course if you you continue to be able to get in those positions and finish as he does um but i think i'd be optimistic that it's coaching that is making them better and not just fortune yeah that's a good point nine shots on target calvert lewin six goals it's very, very hard to argue with that. All right, we're lapsing into players, so might as well move on to it anyway. Best players so far, I think we should nominate maybe three just to keep it keep it manageable, and I'm guessing we're probably going to agree on a few of them. Um, I think maybe my effusiveness about Spurs, uncharacteristic effusiveness about Spurs, is um, going to be stretched even further here in terms of uncharacteristic uh, praise because uh, the first guy I pulled out is Harry Kane. Kane is back, I think. I'm buying him. I think as well, and captaining him next week. He's playing as number nine again, not the DM. He's got the most shots so far, uh, joint with fellow, with fellow volume merchant Salah. He's had the most shots on target. He's second for shots in the box. He's expected to be involved in over six and ten of Spurs' goals, and he's got that delightful kind of combination with Son. So far, three goals, six assists. And I've looked back over the last kind of few years for him, 2016-17 when he scored 29 goals, 15-16 when he scored 18. This is the most shots he's ever started the season with, and kind of the best kind of starting stats for Kane ever and the volume coupled with the fact that Kane is a very very good finisher is absolutely brilliant the other thing I want to just mention quickly is the assist potential for him as well he's created the most big chance of any player so far uh, three more than the person in second who's Salah for some reason and he has the highest XA of any player 
yeah, I think Kane's back and he's well worth the 7.6. Um, I'm probably going to be buying him and putting him in. Um, so, yeah, he's probably the one at the moment that I, I think is uh, one of the best players so far. But, I mean, obviously I'm aware that I've overlooked Son a little bit and I guess that's the one you've been uh, liking, Nick. Yeah, it's worth actually highlighting in terms of Harry Kane. He's actually one assist away from his Premier League season record. He's already had six assists so far. His record in a season was seven. Of course, the famous season where he got 29 goals, he only had two assists that year. So he was a very sort of selfish player. But this season, he seems to be linking ex- excellently with um, Son Heung-min. Um, set him up, I mean, almost I think four of those assists have been, four or five have been for Son. So that's a real new element to his game that he's brought this season. And yeah, that, you know, I think he's an excellent shout for the best players. Son is um, certainly one I have been looking at but I wanted to actually firstly mention uh, Mo Salah because I feel like with Salah to be honest you know, he, he normally gets so much praise from everyone but like it feels like no one's really talking about him at all because there's so much else that is going on and you know he's kind of flying a little bit under the radar of course he is in most of our teams but I just I just noticed in terms of how he's dominating this season he's got five goals and assists and his underlying stats as well have been excellent so as you said he's, he's joint top with Cade for 19 goal attempts and 15 of those have been inside the box he's had an attempt every 18.9 minutes he's also top for penalty box touches with 42 and you know he's just he has just been excellent hasn't he of course he's only scored in two of the games not four of the games but you know hat-trick against Leeds to couple against Aston Villa where he was the only bright spark in that Liverpool team but you know we don't talk about him or praise him as much as we used to because he's the most expensive player in the game but he's that expensive for a reason I think he is critical still for our FPL teams and he's he's definitely going to have a really strong season. If, if he keeps up this current rate, he'll, he'll beat his um, 300 points actually from a couple of seasons back. But of course, he has to keep it up. Yeah, and, and definitely two very promising finishes against Villa to, to kind of supplement that Leeds hat-trick. I think if you were to talk about, you know, the, the dependable player, I think Salah is probably the one that I'd pick out. Whereas, of course, the star player that I would, you know, just for this season so far, would I would agree with you guys be Kane. And I think why I think that is because of what I think is that he will be able to keep this up. And Tom, you've talked about him, you know, having that assist potential and you've both spoken about that. But also, of course, his conversion it's he's only converted 15 percent of his shots getting to three goals obviously he's on penalties and that has helped that but he still had the most shots of any player in the league obviously drawing with Salah as you guys said so it just feels like his goal scoring could actually be better than it has been so far whereas Son has con- he's converted 60 percent of the shots he's taken that's incredibly high and like whilst it's impressive Ooh. and you have to give him all the credit yeah. for that and he's obviously got one more point than Kane I just think long run Kane is going to be well worth the extra 1.6 million on him right now as we, as we record. Other players you'd have to talk about in terms of best players, we have to mention the likes of Calvert-Lewin and James Rodriguez, but obviously at a very different price point there. And then maybe at a, the very cheap price point, and I'll just drag the conversation down that direction, we didn't think it, and you know there was an awful lot of 5.5 midfielders we were talking about pre-season, Sam Maximan, some of the Leeds guys maybe who did well early on. You could talk about Click, Costa. There's still hope for uh, Pudence as well. But it's Jorginho. It's got to be Jorginho, just in terms of points. Nobody encapsulates yeah. the whole entire fantasy penalty league program more than Jorginho, just consistently returning away there. Three goals, one assist. And we talked about before how his, you know, his assist potential was always quite good, but just didn't necessarily match up in terms of the assists he actually returned. So you'd think maybe with actual good strikers ahead of him, that may turn, turn for him. But of course, Werner hasn't been returning so far. 
Oh, Milivojevic Mark II, potentially, if these penalties keep being awarded. Um, oh, I see where you could go there. I think he probably uh, wouldn't... I don't know, it's one of those where you're so reliant on one particular thing, which is penalties. I just not quite put him in the best players by category. I think he's an anomalous player. I wouldn't say he's necessarily been one of the best players so far. You go doing a value per million metric analysis. But speaking of analysis that we like doing, talisman theory, right? <laughs> I did have a look through the players and one guy really stood out. And it's a funny one, actually. You own him, Anthony. Callum Wilson. Um, he's actually got an 83% goal involvement ratio for Newcastle right now and 85% expected goal involvement ratio for Newcastle right now. I mean, he's the epitome of Talisman's theory at the moment. Um, he's not a volume striker. He certainly won't be at Newcastle either. But And he's one of those who kind of shoots when he thinks he can score. But off Talismaning for Bournemouth, it's really interesting to see how he's taken that mantle of the number nine, or number 13 actually, at uh, Newcastle. And he's, he's doing really well for them, isn't he? Like, He's 6.4. Like, he could potentially be a very good bargain. I mean, Newcastle have got an okay run all, all the way up to Christmas. Um, you could just happily buy him and leave him in there, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing with uh, Callum Wilson is that you wouldn't rule him out scoring a goal against anybody, obviously helped by pens, but you just you wouldn't rule it out happening. As you say, he is the most likely man in that uh, Newcastle team. You might even be unfair to Newcastle and say he's the only man in that Newcastle yeah. team. And so with that in mind, it's just, it's just such a handy value pick to have in there at 6.4. I've absorbed a loss in team value to have him in my team so far, but I'm very content to have him there. Uh, he's returned, obviously, in three of the four weeks. And like that, that's all you want from a player like him. I think he's winning at the moment the sweepstake to be the next Ings. Nick, who, who else did you pick up? In terms of, sort of the cheaper picks, I actually quite like Neil Mopay. I think that he's had um, an excellent start to the season as well. A little bit like um, Callum Wilson, he's certainly emerging as the, the Brighton talisman. Though, of course, he's got a few other uh, creative players that are providing some help as well, like Leandro Trossard, who's also had an excellent start to the season. But what, what I quite like about Mopay is the fact that Brighton have had actually some really tough fixtures, considering how well he's got. So Mopay's got four goals and an assist. Um, he's returned in three out of the four games. And, but they played Chelsea, Newcastle, Man United and Everton. That's, that's a really tough run for Brighton. And they've got some really nice fixtures, actually, in the next five. So after, after this, they've got Crystal Palace, West Brom, Spurs, Burnley, Aston Villa in their next five. So I think, you know, Brighton assets uh, might start to get on the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. I talk, We talked a little bit about Lamptey. Definitely uh, looks good on the eye in terms of his performances. So getting forward, getting you know, very attacking. So both Mopay and, uh, and uh, Lamptey are, are two players that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at and thinking actually they look like really great FPO assets could have an excellent season. And of course, Trossard as well, as I mentioned briefly, the other Brighton player perhaps that a lot of people are looking at and bring him in he's been a bit unlucky not to get more than one goal so far because I think he hit the crossbar or post or something six times in one game didn't he or something ridiculous yeah, yeah five, five against United and I guess that was a surprise no, it certainly makes sense. I do like uh, I do like Mope. I don't think I've got quite enough space for him. I think just to address a couple of fairly obvious ones as well, because there'll be people screaming, why haven't you mentioned these guys? Um, I mean, we have obviously spoken about Everton already, um, but I think two for me, one being the star is, is obviously Calvert-Lewin. I haven't owned him, so uh, it's a bit painful. It's another Ing situation, perhaps. Um, but if form exists, he's in it right now. As I mentioned, nine shots of target, six goals, and 0.6 million rise already. Wow, I think he's like the star. But the one I really one, the one I really like is James Rodriguez but this is a kind of a, a football-y mix with FPL point here um, I love Kevin De Bruyne he's a great player to watch but this guy he, he's he's 
actually really really good as well that's not a surprise that's not analysis that's not insight but he is so been good to watch uh one thing i noticed is that he's also a great fantasy asset and puts paid to any of the assisting the assist of rubbish i was seeing in group chats he recorded a fab xgi in spain and germany and the challenge with him more was how how he did acclimatize to a team that, that perhaps wasn't expected to win as Ancelotti said the ball is the same, the pitch is the same, the rule is the same. If the player has class enough, we shouldn't worry about that. And wow, yeah, definitely he has that class. I think one cool thing that I saw on the Hammers, which sums him up really, is his positional awareness, right? It's just so good. He's so intelligent on the ball and even more intelligent off it. He's always in the right place and finding the space. This is writ large in his sprints, less than five per game. Against West Brom, he did zero sprints and got man of the match in that game. Got 12 points as well in FPL. Eighteen in the last game. No, it's just just so good. Like I'm so glad I got him in game week two. I'm very jealous of your hammers pick. I'm also very jealous of, of managers with Son because Son was the player that I actually called out as the star man and the star so far. Son's only sort of played or performed in two of the games. So sorry, I'm eating my words a little bit there, but I think he has been the, the star player of this campaign just in terms of his underlying stats he's just been excellent hasn't he see second also for for chances created amongst the midfielders so it's not just a goal for him a bit like Kane they're working so well together he's created 13 chances uh, which is second only to De Bruyne he's created 14 um, and that's a that's a chance every 23 minutes and just yeah um, Spurs is just looking dominant aren't they of course they just got a 7-2 in, on Thursday against Maccabi as well so Really, really good times for Tottenham. And I think Son, you know, I said before the season started that he, I reckoned he was going to get 200 plus points um, this season for the first time. He's, he's definitely well on the way there. Um, hopefully that gives you a nice little look at a few players um, who may be, well, ones you consider if you were on the wildcard, ones maybe you'd be buying in, of like Wilson or something like that. Uh, Kane versus Son, a few little nuggets there. But no, it, sound, it sounds like we're all kind of broadly aligned on those. Uh, let's do a couple more sort of qualitative ones, shall we? Surprise of the year so far. Um, obviously, this is quite an open one. Uh, there's only been four game weeks, and, but I'm interested to see what you guys thought of um when you saw that I, I wanted you to think of something for this. Um, Anthony, what did you go with? What, what's been the surprise so far for you in the first four weeks? Um, aside from, I guess, the, the whole entire fantasy penalty league debacle, all of the ridiculous results, the, I guess I, I would have thought that there were more mistakes happening, um, but certainly not in terms of what Opta would regard as mistakes. I had a look into the numbers and there's pretty much been about as many errors per game and errors that led to goals per game as you would normally expect to see, like pretty small differences so not enough to start talking about. So those were all surprises. But I kind of, I just identified players more than anything in this. And I, I think... James Rodriguez was one in that I, I didn't expect him to be able to return like he has. Um, I had him in one of my late drafts. And then I remember just thinking, there's just so much uncertainty about this Everton team. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. And I certainly didn't think that he could be a consistent danger at, and show that his price, I felt his price was too low, but I just didn't feel that it was, you know, early on in the season was the time to have him. And then another player would be Castagna, who has been pretty much a bit of a revelation there playing pretty much as a, almost as a, you know, a wide midfielder as yeah, opposed to a fullback. Basically, yeah. yeah, and he's been, he's been very good at that. And like, whilst you could say an awful lot about Leicester's performances, you could almost like point to them, like you could point to Spurs and say that, you know, it's been up and down for them. But, you know, to get three assists, one clean sheet, like it's, it's not what we expected from those fixtures from any of their defenders. We probably thought there'd be more clean sheets and probably we wouldn't have expected him to get as many attacking returns. But I'd be kind of... Uh, 
appreciative at least of those returns and I'd be looking to him if this Leicester defence looks like it can tighten up a little bit. So yeah, I was, I was quite broad with this, uh, but I can narrow it down a little bit as well. So when I was thinking about the surprise so far, I guess it was just kind of Leicester Villa in general, just just ridiculous surprise. I, to be honest, like, I'd written them off a little bit this season, considering they just about scraped by last season, avoiding relegation. Um, you know, Kevin coming 70, I think it was one point in the end, wasn't it? And so I was thinking, you know, they're going to struggle again this season. But of course, tying Jack Grealish down to a new contract, signing Ollie Watkins has really, really um, enhanced them. And of course, now um, with Ross Barkley as well, who was sort of um, creating tons of chances in that last game. I think they're looking like a really strong unit and, you know, they could surprise us all season long. I think Jack Grealish, perhaps the player to call out um, 7 million. I think he's um, he's now got sort of three goals and three assists in three games. He's got the highest points per game out of all midfielders, highest points per game out of any player that um, in the game has played more than one game so far. So, and I think with him and Watkins, they, they're looking like they can build a really, really strong relationship, which reminds me, it has parallels to the, the Mares and Vardy relationship of 15-16. Yeah, no, very interesting. I like that. I like that. Um, another one uh, similar to that when I was thinking about this is, uh, is West Ham too, as I've mentioned. It's just amazing how quickly opinions have changed over the first four weeks. I think maybe because we've got availability heuristic remembering the most obvious thing. Um, but, you know, uh, after game week one, we were slating West Ham as relegation fodder. You know, they just lost 3 0 uh, to Newcastle at home. We were really worried for them. And now, off the back of soundly defeating Wolves and Leicester, they're now world beaters, aren't they? Uh, interesting. And I, I haven't got too much to add here because I've got penalties, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Aubameyang and Arsenal being quite toothless, I think, is something I'd like to just throw in here. Like, I think we were all hoping for Aubameyang, and it just didn't happen, did it? Um, you know, the first two game weeks, we were all happily kind of sold in game week three, and obviously. It just turned out that Kevin De Bruyne wasn't really the man to be buying. But equally, Aubameyang's not done anything either. I think in the last in the last game, he had no shots on target. I mean, Arsenal, we've just had 30 shots in the last four games this season. Only United and West Brom have had fewer. And Man United have only played three games. We've got one fewer shot than Palace. And we're in the bottom five for shots on target as well. Like, really not what I expected from Arsenal. I was expecting, you know, the injection of Willian there. And you know, with all the exciting players we've got for us to be a lot better going forward. But it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's been going on, really. It's just not really clicked so far, perhaps. In a, in a normal week, we would definitely have been saying that a, a fairly tight win over a pretty disappointing so far Sheffield United would have been you know something that we would have definitely been talking about <laughs> but just because of the nature of this game week it means that it's yeah. about the, the seventh biggest headline of the week coming yeah. out of it maybe another surprise I'll throw in and it's maybe ties into something we'll talk about in a minute which is our flop so far and it's just defenses in general they haven't been that yeah, good only four teams have got two <laughs> clean sheets yeah they've only had there's only four teams have had two clean sheets Villa being one of them who've only played uh, three times as we've said about a million times already so okay there were quite a few people who had McCarthy or Kyle Walker's Peters or maybe they had a Wolves defender that wasn't Vinagra or early movers on Emmy Martinez but for the most part they weren't necessarily the defences that we were really picking out as the ones to invest in and some of those we would have been picking out are amongst the seven teams that have no clean sheets so far. Mm. Man United I've suffered and lost money on Aaron Wan-Bissaka Spurs I've suffered and lost money on Matt Doherty. Sheffield United uh, I've suffered and will probably lose money on Aaron <laughs> Ramsdale and Burnley who have of course played three times but who haven't been all that good and I think have conceded 12 goals already this season. We weren't necessarily saying that this was the return of big at the back or anything like it. I don't think we saw this coming either where defence has been pretty irrelevant. 
No, I think that definitely my flop so far was expensive defenders, by which I mean defenders that were in the FPL template meta before game week one kicked off. I mean, apart from maybe an honorable exception, KWP or McCarthy at Southampton, apart from that, you know, people weren't really interested in the teams, as you mentioned, of Villa, West Ham, Saints and Wolves. Them being the only ones having two is a little bit... Yeah, that's a surprise. You'd be expecting Liverpool's or you know, the cities at least to be recording a little bit more. I did have a little look into this actually in terms of the first four and how many clean sheets there have been in previous years. And so this year, um, 17 clean sheets is what we've got so far. Last year, 18 clean sheets at this point. So actually, it's not that far off the 18, 22, 31, 17, 26 as you go further back for the first four it, it's not wildly out it's just it looks worse because the players that we were entrusting with these clean sheets didn't get them and unlikely sources did on that point defenders were actually my my flop as well so incidentally i did also did some analysis in terms of where we were what position we we're in last year and so so far this season five teams have conceded 10 plus goals this time last year it was just norwich that had uh, conceded 10 um, as you mentioned earlier in the pod 144 goals have been shipped so far um, in comparison to last year, it was 113. So there's 31 more goals have been conceded so far this season compared to last season. That's with two less games as well. And it's just been these ridiculous results, hasn't it? So we saw Wolves were shipped four, then it was City shipped five, United shipped six, and Liverpool seven. And it's just like ridiculous that these teams are meant to be the defensively solid ones. And it's just like, with no idea what the hell is going on. And even like, as I said, the team of the year or team of the season so far um, Everton have got problems in defence and goal as well so you know just it doesn't look like any clean sheets are coming from anywhere and you know whilst we're looking at our defenders for only attacking returns ultimately at the moment trying to find out who's going to get those assists and goals for us but I actually I actually called out if I, I thought I'll have to pick a player I decided actually to pick Trent as the flop so far which, which might seem a bit harsh considering you know they did a right against Chelsea and Arsenal but you know just in terms of what's uh, happened with Liverpool. So they only had a couple of clean sheets, I think, because of, you know, they kept conceding one goal, didn't they? So they only had one clean sheet so far this time last year, but they'd only conceded three in total, while so far they've conceded 12. So it's a massive change in terms of their defensive performances. And uh, Trent... Trent's um, been very unreliable defensively and he's been caught out a number of times for a number of those goals and he's, he's just been looked really poor as well, hasn't he? So this time last season, he had three assists to his name um, and had uh, created 14 chances as well. He's got just the one assist and only have only created eight chances. So he's, he's even though that's quite high for a defender in terms of his attacking output, it's um, teams have dropped off um a cliff a little bit as well, which is a little bit concerning um, for for us owners, especially when we're considering uh, spending 7.5 million on, on this guy and he's not really uh, bringing in the points or the returns. In fact, he's getting negative returns for us. Yeah, Trent has undoubtedly been a disappointment. It's just, I guess there's just been so much defensive disappointment. Maybe looking further forward, um, one player who has been tipped in a lot of circles pre-season, but who has, could definitely be categorised as a flop is... Deli Ali, who has dropped 0.4 in value. Very few players have done that. He's barely played an hour in total and he's got zero returns in that time, which is obviously not good enough. And then Timo Werner, um, I'd have to speak about because I think there was there were a few players I was more bullish about in, pure, in pre-season than him. He's dropped 0.2 in value in seemingly good fixtures. He only got just an assist against Brighton and that was it. Didn't actually have pens to bail him out either, like other strikers who ne- weren't necessarily getting too much, too many chances, like the likes of Vardy, for example. 
so just overall the Timo Werner thing has not worked out so far you could say just Chelsea hasn't worked out in general really for most people those were my two as well especially Werner dear me um I didn't go over game at one actually but I mean I was behind the sofa for that game week and it's just just incredible how perceptions again have shifted about him completely I mean all it would take is a, a bit of a, a turbo team mode to show up in the next game and suddenly oh 9.3 oh that's great value and um, I think it's, it's just one of those things that we'll see when as players do acclimatize to our league so what can we tell after four FPL game weeks? Had a lot of discussion there. I think the, the headline seemed to be that Everton looking good and set to continue to look and set to continue looking good. Um, Kane versus Son, Kane and Son, very exciting. Those two players, the talisman theory is still relevant. Likes of Wilson, likes of Grealish uh, that have been mentioned here, and there's a few questions, aren't there? Will penalties continue? Will this rate of scoring continue? Can the defenses turn it turn it round? Um, as a hot take, I'd say probably it's not sustainable and I think that we will see some sort of reversion to the mean to use that horrible phrase soon um but it has been absolutely crazy hasn't it anymore well yeah one thing I would say that we've we've kind of learned is to to throw our biases out the window a little bit because there's always seems to be a surprise in store for a new game so um, new campaign to last season obviously there were lots of biases around Danny Ings and his glass ankle and lots of people avoided those points for various um, parts of the season of course we've seen similar biases around players and clubs like Jamie Vardy in the past as well and, and this season we've, we've had these biases based on previous performances around the likes of Everton being unreliable or Aston Villa and West Ham being just generally dreadful FPL picks or even from last season starting to talk about Harry Kane and how he, he couldn't necessarily perform at the highest level anymore and was playing too deep and wasn't, wasn't the same FPL that they've been in previous years and certainly I think what we've learned from the last four game weeks is that these biases can change very easily and, and don't stick to them too heavily. It's a good example of being able to turn around your perception on a player because we could be, you know, we've pilloried him a lot in the past but and we could be still saying, oh, I don't believe it, he's a defensive midfielder, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, really, it's a good example of how you, you know, if evidence occurs on the pitch in front of you, you've got to be able to react to that and not have sort of inbuilt biases about players. I even bought Richarlison. <laughs> enjoy the ride I suppose is, is all we can say as you said last week it's just one of those times um, hopefully after the international break it will start to stabilise a little bit alright let's take a break there and move on to mini league correspondence Q&A and all that sort of stuff after this who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league as we said earlier the league code CPSUOF if you would like to join. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of the top five. Um, so in fifth is Hirsch Pandya. Um, he's, he's dropped a little bit this week. with Only a 61-pointer. Um, he's down to fifth now with 309 points overall. Um, also dropping is Arvid Russian um, with 57 points, winning the Kapoor. So both those guys have dropped slightly in terms of their overall rank. But we've got three people that have risen with some fantastic... FPL scores are just looking at these scores I just can't believe it to be honest um, we've got 0-6 with 92 points this game week uh, Mohamed Mozen with Hunter 88 points and oh my Zach, and Zaki Shane the Zakaria team got 101 points this game week you what? No, no chips <laughs> or anything like that no chips for you don't worry but um, you know just a crazy return there with um Kane and Watkins, Captain Salah, Rodriguez, Sice and McCarthy. Just an unbelievable score there for Zakaria. Um, overall rank 424. So that's that's mad. So, so well done, all, all the guys to, um, have had these brilliant scores this game week. I'm very, very jealous. 
some stunning stuff there and uh, certainly outdoing us so far this season. I guess we'll move on to the next segment, which is, of course, correspondence. You've all been waiting for it. I know, guys. This is your chance to add your thoughts to topics raised on previous pods, to start a conversation with one of your in-depth opinions, or just to share whatever's been on your mind. Um, this week, we've uh, thank you very much, guys, because we've, we've equaled our record, and we'll continue to do that if you guys get in touch to whogottheassist at gmail.com <laughs> with your emails. Anyway, this week's correspondence, it comes from friend of the pod, Joe Bruin, um, and he's Looking aptly, I guess. Looking forward to the rest of the season and looking at what we should be doing with our chips. So his email is entitled, For the Love of Correspondence. We love it too. Uh, Hi all. Cracking pod. Keep up the fine work. Basically, when do you guys look to play your chips? There have been a lot of early wildcards amid the madness. And while I'm lucky enough not to have needed mine yet, there's bound to be a game week where it's going to get more tempting than it probably should be. I'm aiming to save my triple captain for a double game week and free hit for a possible dearth of fixtures where only a handful are being played. But I don't think I've ever played a successful bench boost in my life. Me too. Me too. This may require consideration of when double game weeks are actually likely to be this year, of course, with a league schedule that looks busier than N'Golo Kante after a six-pack of Red Bull. Thoughts, please. Cheers. Joe. Cool. Thanks, Joe. A very interesting question. Um, I think that obviously using wild cards is is very much in the spotlight right now. Loads of people in wild card. Uh, obviously, Anthony is, and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's been talked about. When's the best time to use a wild card this year? Just we've got a funny little period coming up, don't we, after Christmas? So this year, for the first time, um, it's it's not quite half the season um, that you get to use wild card one. You have to use it before game week sixteen. Following game week 16, you get the wildcard back in game week 17. Game week 18, there's a blank. Game week 19, there's a double. So that means that there is a possibility uh, that using a wildcard in game week 16 is a good idea because it sets you up for game week 19, that double. And you can use your free hit in game week 18. You still with me? So game week 16 wildcard, game week 18 free hit, game week 19 bench boost slash triple captain is something that I'm really looking at doing. Um... I mean, I've used a lot of reactive wildcards in the past. So by that, I mean wildcards to ask cover or just react to a very short-term set of data. And that's always ended badly for me. I've seen it happen to lots of people in the past, e.g. people getting Triple United last year. And apart from making money, I just don't quite see at the moment with confidence what I'd be moving to if I made my wild card. Um, I want my wild card to be proactive and I want it to serve a function. Maybe like the second one is obviously really planned and the first one is more um, often used just to kind of steal a march on your rivals and trying to make your rank better. So I really like the idea of using the wild card in game week 16, the first one that is. Free hit in 18, bench boost in 19, and triple captain and the second wild card to be used later on in the season. You know, the if there's another array of Blanks and doubles in the wild card be great then. Triple captain can be used whenever there's like a nice kind of random double or something like that. But I mean, I'm not dogmatic about it. That's what's important too. So game week 16, that's when I ideally want to use my wild card. I have no interest in using it right now. But if I do get to the point where my team is really, you know, in the dumps and I've got to just do it, I'm not going to care. I'm just going to pull it, you know, because I prefer, as I said last time on the pod, to be at game week 16 100k having used my wild card having to use a few hits rather than getting to game week 16 with my wild card but 1 million ranked because like there may be that there's a short-term value which exceeds the long-term value at the moment i'm not quite seeing it but there may come at a point where i do see it uh nick um i mean anthony's on his wild card but uh, when are you plan to pull it i don't think you're holding it are you you're, you're kind of planning to use it fairly soon right 
Yeah, I'm almost tempted to use it this game week, to be honest. The more I kind of look at my team and the fact that I'm, I'm wanting Son, I'm wanting potentially Kane as well in there, it's, it's calling me and I'm quite close to actually even pulling the trigger. And I, I think that's that's my concern in regards to your your strategy, Tom. I just don't think I can wait that long sitting on the wild card. And you mentioned sort of one million rank. I mean... We'll see even if we can get that high without using it, to be honest, at this rate. So it is something that I think generally when I come to plan the wild card, I always use the first one relatively soon, but not like straight away. I always like to leave it to about game week six to game week eight, because I feel like at that stage of the season, you have that um, information based on the first six or so games because you know the, the first few games yeah. were a bit random but by then you have the, you have the information you kind of know who the form players are what's going to potentially be a trend of the season and we talked about a few of them earlier so that's kind of my general plan for the first wild card in terms of some of the other chips I kind of just you know go go to the main man himself Ben Krillin and, and, and see what the hell is going on for the season because as you know it's probably gonna be you know crazy again this season we've already got various blanks and doubles that have been discussed and as you mentioned earlier Tom but there's going to be more later on in the season as well I'm sure you know there could be fixture cancellations could be completely random so that's, I, that's how I kind of use my bench boost and triple captain I always target those double game weeks and that tends to be the I tend to find that to be the best strategy um, for me in the past, didn't work necessarily last year with a triple captain, but previous years, you know, it has worked wonders. You know, using that wild card to try and get as many double gaming players as possible, even you know, up to sort of ending yeah. up with almost like 28, 28 games or something like that, if you can. And and then um, you know, bench boosting, and that's kind of just generally how I, I plan my trips. And you can use a free hit and a blank as well. You know, combine it all with. So, kind of works out just about okay but yeah it can be quite challenging to navigate and get very complicated spreadsheets sometimes trying to fix it to figure it all out i guess the most interesting thing i can add to everything you said is maybe just why i've wildcarded now and it, it effectively just boils down to i guess you could say i'm being reactive to a poor start i would say i'm being proactive and trying to get the right players to continue on from here yeah um, <laughs> you know to, so depending on how you want to view what i'm at uh, you can say either of those but i think what it boils down to is there is definitely a fixture shift happening in the next you know game week or two for quite a lot of teams and so it gives me quite a decent opportunity to get set up for that we've mentioned Brighton before being one of those for example I've got Lamptey into my side for example and then there is I, I didn't have any of the Spurs guys um, I'm gonna at least have one of them um, it can't I feel I can't go on without one of them it'll probably be Kane within my side I was a bit short on Everton players I picked up the wrong one in Richarlison over Calvert-Lewin I'm Happy to accept that Calvert-Lewin is the one to have. So rather than getting too ingrained in what I'm doing, he's someone that I would need to get in as well. Oh, thank God. I'm so glad you're getting rid of Richarlison. Now he's actually going to fucking do something. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah, It was was all going to be perfect, Tom, until I brought him into my team. Uh, For example, Chelsea as well. Their fixtures are okay. Kind of, you know, going along from here. I feel that they'll be able to pull more clean sheets with uh, Kep out and Mendy in and Chilwell had a pretty decent start. So I've been there right now just to accumulate some value and I wouldn't be surprised if he even stays in my side. So it's, it's, it's just overall, I feel that this is a pretty decent time to wildcard, build up some value and get going with regards to the other chips. Uh, I've had a, an incredibly checkered history when it comes to the bench boost and triple captain. I think neither of them have worked out for me ever since they were introduced into the game. 
Um, so hopefully I can change that this year. And I wouldn't be averse to using the triple captain in a single game week. I think I did that last season with Aguero and it didn't work. And a lot of other people had an awful lot of success on their triple captain um, at other times. Uh, the free hit is definitely useful. And I think it has to be used to navigate a blank game week. Just It's, it's a, such an easy way of getting through a blank game week. I think it would be silly to ignore that. If we do have some sort of lockdown and get, uh, games are suspended for a while and we get a free set of transfers like last year I think it worked so well for people to use the bench boost after that that I would keep that in mind if we do have another lockdown and there is that situation arising again that the bench boost was just perfect for that returning game week yeah absolutely was absolutely it was um, definitely an interesting period wasn't it Uh, the whole lockdown period but yeah hopefully that's uh, given you a nice overview Joe of uh, the different ways in which you can use your chips I suppose and it sounds like um, that kind of game week 18 blank may be a prime candidate for the free hit basically and that double in game week 19 that's a TC and a BB and then just use the other one as the calendar develops as Nick said keep an eye on what the Don Ben Quellen has to say so thanks very much, Joe, for getting that in. And thanks so much to everyone else who emailed in to who got the assist at gmail.com with their correspondence. Do get them in. Let's break the record. You've got two weeks to break the massive record that we've set, folks. So get emailing. We need to create a headache for everybody with so much correspondence. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, <laughs> you sound that, so delighted, Tom. <laughs> after, that, after that fantastic section, which is no doubt going to remain past Game Week 8, um, <laughs> let's move on to the Q&A, the quickfire Q&A, as we put it. Um, and we start off with bad bandwagons. So this, this is an interesting one that I indexed after the Ross Barkley signing because John FPL Toon asked us, with Ross Barkley signing for B- Villa, are there any players we've owned frequently in FPL for at least you know, a week, say, in, in recent times uh, that we've instantly regretted? But, but we keep going back to. So, you know, Walcott has just gone to Southampton, I see. Uh, you know, likes of Troy Deeney, likes of Lucas Moura. Uh, any of these players that we just, like a bad ex, we, we some, for some reason we just can't get rid of them even though we kind of want to. Um, what do you guys reckon? I think there, there were three names that uh, definitely came to mind for me. And I think you could, you could kind of see a similarity between all of them, really, and the type of position they play and the sort of points that you would hope for them to score. And those three are... Callum Hudson-Odoi, Trossard, and Pulisic. All of them last season I bought and sold multiple times. I think I've done that with uh, Hudson-Odoi two seasons in a row that I've, that I've bought him, sold him, bought him, sold him. Uh, I, I'm definitely somebody who has uh, serious issues with like low but like mid-priced midfielders that I take punts on. It's, it's continually a problem for me and um, I've already seen it with those and I wouldn't be surprised if we see that people that I've sold already this season eventually find their way back into my side when I believe in them again. It's it's a, it's a tough price point for me. Foden probably would be the one. I've, I brought him in, didn't work out. I'll probably bring him in later in the season. It probably won't work out again. It's just how it is. Yeah, I think with me, obviously, there's just a few characters like that. Callum Wilson's one that sort of drifts in and out of my team, gets a couple, gets a two-pointer, leaves, maybe comes in a later for, for a game against Norwich and gets a two-pointer and leaves again. He's uh, definitely one of those players that sort of does my head in. I'm also quite guilty of it with Luca Dean as well to, you know, go, go always have a little pun on that premium defender um, and he always seems to let me down of recent weeks and he's probably going to be out my team uh, this game week maybe and, and then he'll probably be back again in a few game weeks um, come game week eight I'll probably be lured back into him 
or game nine even when they've got Fulham. So um, he's definitely one as well, of course. Um, Eden Hazard's the classic case for me as well, the classic troll, the pretty massive yeah. perform at the ball for other people, but, but never for me. So he's he's been in and out of my team hundreds of times and I always miss out on those points, unfortunately. I mean, the ones that I think of, and maybe it's just a symbol of how bad I am these days at FPL to some extent, are the ones where I've jumped on the wagon, but it's way too late. The wagon is careering off the road, and that's when I jump on. Um, you know, the likes of Danny Ings last year, I think I got one goal from him, and everyone else got like you know, 12. Oh, so for God's sake. Um, and sort of in the past, um, you know, the, the man when Oli came in, like I had a Martial, who, yeah. got, who got injured rather than getting Pogba or Rashford. That, yeah. that was really annoying. Yeah. This season, Martial, again, I've gone back to him. He's got me a princely five points in four games um, after I specifically left a spot for him. Like, he's the epitome of that hazard syndrome where he's absolutely incredible for other people. I'm thinking about that kind of the strong dog meme. Um, he's just incredible for other people in their teams. But when he's in my team, he's absolute shambles. Um, and the other one that came to mind was Mares. Um, Not because I particularly owned him very much, but... He's always been one that on wild cards, free hits, etc., etc. I've had him in my team until probably the eleventh hour and removed him. I've chickened out and gone, oh, I'm not sure he can, you know, he can do anything. I think I had it in Project Restart where he was in my free hit team until the eleventh hour. He went on to be the highest point scorer in that game week. Absolutely smashed it, and I removed him because I was worried about rotation. Like he just annoys me so much, and watching him play as well just doubles that down. I'm not going to go into that, but yeah, like. Oh. There are all these players who we do have personal things against, but as Nick um, sagely put it earlier on, we need to overcome our biases, um, as we saw with Stag by Richardson or with me buying the defensive midfielder Harry Kane. I use that term it, lovingly. It, just a, a quick mention as well of our favourite son of Granada now, Kennedy Bro Potus. What a man! <laughs> the, the finest of bandwagons, a player who scored four, five goals in the Premier League ever, somehow managed to become a bandwagon amongst us. I know he got an assist, didn't he? And he was—he was actually my first. He was actually on on my bench that week because uh, I paid, played him three weeks and I did nothing. Benched him. And he got an assist. Unbelievable! Right, what a guy. We we look forward to his arrival back from loan. <laughs> He's still again. on the books at Chelsea. <laughs> oh, all, who who isn't on the books at Chelsea at this point? I, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if one of us wasn't on the books at Chelsea. Right. Okay. Uh, next question, Stag. I think it was one of your correspondence. It's, it's, it's a it's a it's a correspondence, and there was just so much correspondence that we had to put it into the Q and A, guys. It's 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 just amazing how this slot has really taken off we, we really do appreciate all your emails to who got the assist at gmail.com but anyway Ronan Gallagher emailed and he was asking about with regards to our teams what constitutes a good season do we go for overall rank in the top 10k or top 100k and classify a good season through that or is it all about winning our mini leagues uh, Ronan him saying that for himself his objective is the top 10k uh, overall <laughs> Good luck to that. He managed it two seasons ago. Hashtag humble brag, as he says himself. But as a minimum, he seeks to be in the top 100k. So in doing that, he ignores, for the most part, his mini leagues. So he thinks that having that longer-term strategy allows him to ignore the bad game weeks. Game week three was poor for him. And it enables him then to focus on that long-term picture, uh, which he feels just helps him avoid or helps him negotiate dips or when he's struggling. Lads, thoughts on that? My target has always been overall rank, actually, as opposed to the mini leagues. But in terms of our cash league that we're all in, I've, I've actually managed to win it two of the last four years. So uh, yeah. that seems to have worked out pretty well for me, right. even though I'm always targeting overall rank. And unfortunately, I haven't actually ever managed to finish in the top 10k in my FPL career. My highest overall rank is 17k. And so I, I do kind of want to get that 10k finish. I would really love to do that this year. I don't know. It's not started off 
brilliantly has it so i'm not sure if it's going to be achieved but certainly you know that would be like a, a great goal to hit or a great target to hit this season the sort of four figure overall rank would um, certainly go down well with me i mean i've i do have a top 10k i think somewhere in in, in the in the repertoire um but over the last three years i've been absolutely terrible so um do i go for or do i go for anything anything else do i go for humble rag no i go for respectability that's uh where i've been cowed <laughs> into over three wait, years wait, are you talking about fpl or what here tom uh, <laughs> but in, i think i think in life i feel i'm fairly respectable but in fpl it's just it's, it's been really it's, it's, it's embarrassing but it's just one of those things that has seems to have happened to me since being uh being content creator i don't know happen um it, it, it it's the same the same thing happened to me my my best rank ever was a 12k finish and that was the two years before i made this godforsaken twitter account which has just seen me just become poor at fpl it seems over time yeah i mean at the end of the day as we saw on the, on the kind of how to do the bad game week last week pod i think it's just a case of you know, trust and decision process if you can improve it always look to improve it and always look to learn from managers who are better than you or at least you respect right next question then Liverpool defensive double-ups. Um, so Sam Phillips asks if we should continue to consider the Liverpool double-up for Alisson. And Praz United asks if we should even consider their defenders at all in a Brazilian keeper's absence. Um, so things haven't been very good there, have they? Um, what do you guys reckon to this? Is it time to look at the Liverpool defence again and think, hmm, time to get rid of So the thing is that this is the second year in a row that we've had Liverpool's defence starting poorly where we all believed in them and then Alisson goes out and when Alisson was out for quite a period of time at the start of last season and Adrian was in there it just didn't work like yeah sure the defenders still picked up their attacking returns but they were nowhere near what we would have considered value for money that totally changed as the season went on Alisson returned they picked up their clean sheets and West he wasn't in the running for the golden glove they had a pretty decent defensive record what is different now in at least the first four weeks versus maybe that period that started last season is that Liverpool's underlying stats, of course, caveat, caveat, completely skewed by a you know conceding seven goals in one game. Uh, they're not particularly promising. And so with that in mind, I'm thinking that on a wild card, I might go forward with one Liverpool defender, but the double up seems a little bit too much. Now, if you've already got the double up in place, like it's kind of hard to move money out of defence to get it forward without two free transfers unless you're you know you can let's say you're bringing in somebody you're going to captain and maybe it's it's more justifiable to take a hit to transfer out a defender then yeah no okay um and let me be honest with you like i've got taa and i'm like actively is actually in my plan to sell him this week i think it's it's within what nick was saying earlier about him being one of the flops of the season I don't think Liverpool are looking like the sort of team who are going to keep clean sheets at the moment. And I don't really see the upside at the moment from him, which justifies him being a 7.5 million asset in my team. Um, I also think that you're not, you're not really going to see the rush on a player like that because it's very tough for people to get to a 7.5 million defender, especially as the trend continues that we're going to be putting money further forward. So I can be fairly sure that his, uh, that his value will stay around 7.5-ish. Just one stat. Um, I know that there's obviously a bit of a vex. It's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's an interesting conversation about whether Adrian, whether it is Adrian that makes things really bad. But one stat I do want to draw people's attention to is that Adrian has played for Liverpool 21 times. In that time, he's conceded 33 goals. He's only kept four clean sheets. Um, and the goal that we saw him concede uh, against Villa, the, fir- the first one uh, after four minutes, 
that was the same goal that he gave away last year against Southampton when Ings scored. Um, and I think that, it, as, as Stag said, without Allison, without that sort of safety net of a person to pass back to who who's good on the ball, able to then recycle it over, who's able to then recycle it over, it really, their defensive strategy, I think, isn't as coherent, isn't as fluid. And I'm just really worried about them. And I think I'm going to jump off to the pool for the time being reassess maybe get back on Trent I know what he can do I'm sure he can get me 24 points um, at some point in the season but as it stands I'm just not I'm, I'm just not trusting them um, basically so I, I think I may be you know, milking that cash cow as it were uh, for the time being Nick what do you reckon here you're always a stalwart uh, lover of Trent are you going to follow through and drop him I think you were planning to drop him at one point weren't you yeah I nearly sold him after after game week one um, actually but um, I ended up sending Van Dijk instead, which kind of worked out fine. In, in fairness, I should probably apologise, Nick. I, I kind of browbeat you by reminding you of the Leicester game on that one. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think with, with Trent, I, I still, I still actually, I still probably back him to be the top scoring defender at the end of the season. You know, I would say if you had to ask me who's going to end up being the top scoring defender, it would be Trent. He's probably going to get those assists. He's probably going to bang in a couple of free kicks. And I'm sure those clean sheets will eventually come for Liverpool. I think in the short term, though, looking at a double Liverpool defence, you, you know, you're looking at the next five. They've got Everton, Sheffield United, West Ham, Manchester City and Leicester. So there's only really two probably viable clean sheets there out of five. And if you've got a double defence, you, you, you don't want to be looking at that team. And I think actually, I, I can only see two clean sheets in the next five. You know, why would you want to be doubled up on a defence where you can't see any, you know, clean sheets coming. So I certainly think if you are doubled up, you know, you could be looking to transfer one of them out. Um, I'm potentially looking to sell the Cadiz, as I mentioned, to Ben Chilwell, maybe. So Chilwell might be, you know, a decent character perhaps to bring in if you are looking for a defensive transfer there. It's um, appearing heavily on the market forces, but, you know, Chelsea have Southampton, United, Burnley, Sheffield United, Newcastle, next five by comparison. So, potential for four clean sheets there if they can actually get their act together and they do now have a competent goalkeeper as well so um, you know I'd probably keep Trent for now I'm not just going to sell him but you know I'd, I'd be very reticent to, to kind of keep a double up if I had a double up yeah no, I think I'll be doing that um, Trent to Chilwell moves <laughs> there you go it's already been done on my world card oh whoops uh, yeah no, <laughs> I, I haven't done my moves yet but yeah no, we'll come on to that in a minute right okay um, so next question double ups which ones are the best a uh, friend, friend of the pod uh, James Corral J. Corral asked if Everton and or Spurs double ups necessary for wild carders oh well, might have spoken about that already uh, link to this uh, Spurs revelations uh, FPL Dave asks if we trust Mourinho to maintain this attacking fervour what do you reckon, guys? Well, like, I guess I was already undermining uh, trusting that attack too much. Like, geez, you'd be, you'd be a fool not to have at least one uh, Spurs attacker in your side, even as just an insurance policy, if nothing else. But they have got particularly decent fixtures coming up. You know, West Ham, okay, they've been good defensively so far, but you'd think that Spurs should be able to find a way through them. Burnley haven't been particularly good. Brighton, jury's still out really on how they're going to be and Spurs have been quite good against pressing teams so far and then it's West Brom who in game week eight who you would say have been whipping boys so far so we shall see how they do and I think the double up is it's viable it's worked extremely well for anyone who's done it so far but at the same time I think I'm going to probably do something else uh, when the time comes to it 
Uh, as for the Everton uh, double ups, to be honest, I think even the Everton triple up is uh, actually viable. I do think I'm a little bit more uh, content with their defence than you guys are. Just their their underlying statistics defensively are quite good um, in terms of, for example, uh, big chances conceded. They've only conceded four big chances. That's the best alongside West Ham, for example. Their XGC from open play, it's the third best. Only Spurs and Villa have uh, conceded less uh, XGC from open play. So, okay, Pickford problems aside, um, that's a pretty decent defence that we're looking at there. And so the likes of Michael Keane or Yerimina, who are very strong in the air going forward as well, would definitely be considered, along with obviously your Hamas Rodriguez, your DCL, your Richardson, etc. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if I was on the wild card now, I would be doubled up on Everton. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have DCL and probably have Hamas. Um, and then Spurs-wise, um, I can see where you're coming from, Anthony. I wouldn't really be too down on doubling up at least for the short term of Kane and Son it's because the next four are pretty damn good aren't they? West Ham, Burnley Brighton, West Brom that is four central captains right? The, the problem is, is that we just we just don't know Well, what we've seen so far hasn't been too promising um, yeah. when they face teams that are completely parked and that are you know I guess you could yeah. say United were parked but with less players and just incompetent so it's it's hard to know what's going to happen. <laughs> they were they were well beaten by yeah, you know they were they were beaten well by Everton in that first game, and the Newcastle game was just a frustration for everyone involved, especially anyone who watched yeah. the game. And maybe you can see that think, happening with Burt with Burnley. Yeah, I think my my concerns here in terms of a double up on Spurs is is financial. So you, you're basically talking about Kane and Son because there's no one else that you're going to pick from Spurs. There's no other assets that would be attractive. You've got yeah. rotation from the fullbacks. Um, so it looks like, you know, this week it was Aurier who had a good game and um, Reguillon that started, but next week it could easily be Babies and uh, Doherty again. So there's a rotation risk there. You're not going to pick any of the centre-backs, really, in all honesty, because you'd just be hunting a clean sheet, which probably won't come. Um, and then, you know, Mora's kind of in and out of the team a little bit as well, as is in Dombele, who's had a decent start this campaign. So it's Kane and Son, but that is... It's too much money, 19.6 million, because you basically have to sacrifice either Salah or De Bruyne to fit them in, especially if you want to have a, a bit of Everton in your team as well. So I think Everton double up, certainly. Spain, um, with Spurs double up, fixtures look great, but you're going to have to make some tough decisions elsewhere, such as probably selling De Bruyne. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, one of those that you'd be definitely taking a risk of. It would probably be temporary, but I mean, who knows? If you'd have gone for double ups and start the season, you'd be absolutely flying, wouldn't you? So, uh, always spins around about, say. Right, uh, moving on to the next question. Uh, Chilwell, oh, uh, we've already answered that, I think. Uh, that's Ben Pelling's question. Let's move on to uh, cheap strikers. So, Vardy boys asked us to have a look at strikers below 6.5 million. Um, FPL Richard uh, said there's so many options. Um, you know, he suggests it may boil down to whether you get Brewster, 4.5 million, uh, versus paying a little bit more for the likes, you know, Watkins, Antonio, Wilson, Bamford, etc., etc. Um, you guys have already heard my love of uh, Callum Wilson. Uh, I think he'll probably be the one that I'd nominate here at 6.4 but do you guys think that Brewster 4.5 record signing so let's not do that will he be rotated or not stuff because that's of no value do we think that he at 4.5 is just a, a no-brainer really and um, because you're not paying anything effectively and you've got a player who's going to be playing most games Actually, just um, having answered that last question, I've just been fooling around with a potential wildcard team where I can get um, Son and Salah and De Bruyne and Kane into it. But it also has Brewster in that lineup, 
and that 4.5 million, if you've got a starting guy there, you know, that's going to be excellent, isn't it, for FPL? Of course, he hasn't got too much Premier League experience. Um, he's had, he's a very young player, but he has had, um, he sort of had one decent season in, in the Championship last season. So he's a little bit untested. And, and Sheffield United just haven't had any attacking impetus at all so far, have they, this campaign? But if he plays next um, game week, home match against Fulham, could be a really, really good um, FPL pick. Could be off to a, a stormer and, uh, you know, everyone would be bringing him in rap- rapidly, wouldn't they? Um, only 4.5 million that starters is excellent. So, by all means, he's a great pick. I think, obviously, we mentioned some other ones, just getting Antonio and Wilson, as, and I also sung the praises of Mopé earlier, so I'm not going to repeat myself there, but I think there are certainly plenty of decent value um, cheaper forwards this this campaign especially the ones who we talked about are on penalties as well thanks to the poorest defences it's not about big at the back certainly but these sort of 6 million 6.5 million forwards are getting lots of returns yeah it's, it's only Manchester United and West Brom who've had less shots in the box than uh, Sheffield United so far this season so you wouldn't be that doesn't necessarily speak much for the chances that Brewster will be served up. But of course, at 4.5, it's it's hard to argue. And you would think that he will start soon. Like the, we, we could point to Fabio Silva, Tom, and be like, hmm, record signing does not necessarily mean that they're going to start true, straight away. True. But just, case, just, just, I know, yeah, I know. I just, I knew there'd be somebody screaming it. So we might as well deal with the Twitter mention before it comes. But um, at the same time, you would think that he would be able to take that spot pretty soon. And for example, for someone like myself on a wild card, fairly handy player to just stick in there to be able to afford that sort of team that Nick was talking about there a second ago that you could have your Kane, Son, De Bruyne and Salah for example or you know sim- similar types of uh, expensive players if you can save that sort of cash there but the the best of those strikers for me is Mr. Talisman himself that we've spoken about earlier Callum Wilson who has been in my side since game week one. Certainly I think the other one I just want to pick out is Ollie Watkins. I know he's just scored a hat trick so may, against Liverpool, so maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, recency. But the reality is these strikers in this price point are very, very fixture related, I think. They're very, very fixture dependent, I think. And Aston Villa have an absolutely fantastic run all the way up to game week fifteen. Um of traditional top six teams, um they only play Arsenal in game week eight, they play Leicester in game week five. That's about it. Um, Wolves in game week 12, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 of those fixtures are, look completely winnable. We've been lauding them a lot. Um, he at 5.9 million and developing that relationship, as Nick had documented earlier with Grealish, that could be a fantastic value for money, especially if we're on a wild card now. 5.9, him and Wilson, he could you know, have a, a strike force which could do, uh, do bits for you effectively after not paying very much. Oh, imagine Watkins, Wilson, Brewster as as a, as a front three. Uh, I'm sure someone somewhere will have it and have great weeks, but I, I can't imagine it's going to stay just with the cheapies for the whole season. I'm sure like lots of him and theirs will be back or et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it is definitely, um, yeah, definitely an interesting sort of area, isn't it? But it's good that we have these sorts of options. We haven't even mentioned Antonio, um, but yeah, um, it's nice to be able to have these places to go to, I suppose. Final question. FPL Porto, no doubt, um, upset that Alex Telles uh, has tonight left for Manchester United, asks, are we even having fun in the FPL madness? Well, I mean, I, I certainly am, just because, as I said last week, I'm just, I just sit back and just, just watch it happen, you know? I just, as, soon as, the, as soon as my decision's been made, as soon as the deadline is gone, I materially cannot affect anything. So why worry about it? Yeah, it's annoying, but 
my worry about it and being able to adapt your your yoga stance about it as Dyson, no doubt about Jake um, it's just so handy it really is just I've seen so many bad game weeks we all have like, everybody who's an, who's an experienced FPL manager has seen so many bad weeks that after a while like, you hit a breaking point where you're like well I've seen so many times why do I get upset about this one oh yeah so I'm having fun I think it's just hilarious to watch basically I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement actually I'm actually having quite a lot of fun you know I'm not necessarily had a great start I'm enjoying the football it's fast-paced it's frantic it's completely insane um, plenty of uh, pleasure there. Uh, it's it's quite funny, just like on Twitter, you just see so many meltdowns, don't you? Of people, you know, bemoaning horrendous game weeks, and then they've got James Rodriguez in their team, and you're like, what is going on with Twitter? So many people having these sort of meltdowns. You just think, just everyone should relax. It's just a bit of fun, really, isn't it? Um, and as you said, I've seen so many bad game weeks in the past that it doesn't really bother me too much to try not to have a full down breakdown every time I have a bad game week and just enjoy yourselves. I hate it. I, I, I really do. It's like football being played in this like vacuous fakeness that is just completely out of touch with like the world that it exists in with this fake fan noise trying to fool us that like there's something, you know, else before our eyes. The performances are borderline disgraceful across the board. Players clearly aren't fit. They're their penalties being given away of course you're going to everyone's screaming about the handballs penalties but that's not the issue here really there's so many penalties being given away because defenders are just slow and accelerating and making silly mistakes because they're absent-minded because they're just not match fit or whatever and so there's so much trip ups and jersey pulls and stupidity going on that it's just i don't know it's just, i don't necessarily think that there's any kind of like enjoyment in seeing bad football being played if i wanted to do that i could walk down to the park and watch some under nines <laughs> playing you know like it's it's like it's just silly like like the the villa game and the united game like they're they're both proper examples of just the silliness of this season as far as i'm concerned it's just too much randomness and it's not like good football there have been some good finishes in there and there have been some good moments in there please don't take me wrong um but like if it wasn't for the you know acted up punditry of the likes of Roy Keane and Patrice Everett just to make it somewhat enjoyable and their usual fanfare that goes on I'm not sure if I'd enjoy this season at all to be honest that's only coupled with the terrible discourse online to do with the penalties you've already had my rant about that uh, in previous weeks and just in general the caustic nature of humanity means that I don't know (laughs) to be honest like I've taken a very non-FPL approach to this like like my FPL team is, is bad but it was bad last season too I'm used to that but just the football itself i yeah i'll just trail off there on that one <laughs> i think we've seen in past seasons i think we've uh, looked at um you know, the pod titles from around this time last year that every season at the start of the season anybody who kind of says they've grasped the thread has done very well but i suggest that they're probably not being entirely truthful that they've got it all solved um it's always a bit bizarre as the season settles down this year it's obviously amplified um but I'm able to see that it's just so bonkers that it's funny almost. Maybe it's apathy again. <laughs> so maybe you're still in the age group stag where you're just like, oh, football should be this, football should be that. Whereas Nick and I have gone through the ringer so many times when I'm just like, yeah, you know what? We're at the grand old age of 31 slash 32. We're just like, yeah, well, whatever happens, happens in it, mate. Uh, anyway, let's move on to transfers and captains. Uh, two weeks to go, obviously, so I'm not expecting very much to have been done. I know that Anthony's on his wild card. I know that Nick is 
hovering over the button. I think that he's been on mute for a while, looking at his other monitors. Just, I'm I've, basically been, just... I've basically been tinkering. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just confirmed? I, I bet you just confirmed, I confirmed live, haven't you? I haven't confirmed yet, but I've just been thinking about the setups that I can achieve. And yeah, so that's, like that's, him, a wild, that's a wild card, especially in Brewster. So, so it sounds like both of you are going for it. Pilot, That's the <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, are you gonna? Do you think you're gonna wild card? Then you think you're gonna join Anthony? Um, I'm tempted. Yeah, I might do. I think if I can get Son and Kane in, I might as well just do it. To be honest, like I've got no way I can get Son and Kane. I have to sacrifice um, Ivardi picks, sadly, which uh, breaks my heart a little bit. But that Leicester and um, Aston Villa home match doesn't look as appetising, especially considering how bad they were um, at home against West Ham and, and how good um, Aston Villa seemed to be this season. So maybe I'll just go ahead and do it and, uh, and see what happens. But yeah, it's uh, it's looking likely at the moment, actually. <laughs> just press confirm. Right, <laughs> um, Anthony, um, I guess it's uh, obviously difficult for you to give any assurances and it is obviously in the COVID context, so everything you've got now may be out the window in two weeks, but to, to your best knowledge, how's it looking? All right, I'll, I'll, um, I, with all the caveats that you've kind of mentioned there, like I currently have a team that was basically designed to build some value because I'd, been, I'd lost quite a bit of it and I think we saw COVID have a pretty big impact on the league in terms of... Uh, cases and disruption after the last international break which obviously led into game week one so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again but with all that in mind I have Martinez in goal uh, Villa's fixture is quite good you think he'd pick up a few clean sheets in there and I'm just going to operate with no second goalkeeper again even though this was usually against my principles it just works quite well um, I think the defenders that are going to stay there um, in my defence right now are Tariq Lamptey, Ben Chilwell and Stuart Dallas. Really beyond that, I'm, I'm not quite sure which defenders I'll keep, but Leeds' fixtures are quite good. Chelsea's are and Brighton's are, as we said. Midfield, Hans Rodriguez has come in alongside Mosala, who stays. Son is there now. I don't know if he'll stay. I have brilliant Harvey Barnes. He has only got one goal and one assist so far this season, but he has looked like a, a general threat and... With Villa next, now, with Villa next, what does that mean? I actually don't know anymore. Like That that could mean that he could do well. That might mean that Leicester are going to get absolutely hockeyed. So let, I don't know if he'll actually stay there by the time it comes to it. But right now, he's there. Jorginho's in. And I'm going to keep him there to try and just get the most of this fantasy penalty league thing. He's going to be the cheapest player on my side, by well, outside of the defenders, by a distance. So we shall see with him. Uh, Callum Wilson, he will stay. Talisman himself. Decent fixtures coming. Even the United game, I wouldn't be too upset about. Or the Wolves one, to be honest. Uh, Calvert-Lewin has to stay as a cover pick, if anything. And Harry Kane is in there right now. Uh, certainly not a defensive midfielder anymore. Uh, I think if I was to say of Kane and Son, which is likely to say, I, I would say it's Kane. And um, I think by the time uh, that game week five comes, I wouldn't be surprised if Kane is the player that I captain as well. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm going to be bringing in Kane this week for the stricken Martial. Obviously, that requires some jiggery-pokery because of the price difference there. And the way I'm looking to do it is uh, Trent out to Chilwell. Um, I think that I'm going to be bailing Liverpool defence for the first time in probably about three three seasons, something like that, just because I think at the moment it's not quite looking right. And uh, Chelsea have got quite a few fixtures that look defensively solid. As Nick said, they've now got a competent keeper. Um, the other one I might be getting rid of is uh, is Rhys James. Um, he was a very good start of season pump, but as as the Quetta's come in, they've kept a clean sheet. I think that the 
the range of rain, I guess, is over for the moment. Um, so I've got 5.2 million uh, for a defender. Um, so it could be the likes of Sice. It could be someone even cheaper, you know, like a, a Ben White or a, a Adam Webster, or maybe Concer, Mings. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. But it, it, I'm t- I, if I take the minus four, I'm very reluctant to because of how weird the COVID context is. I, I, you might want to keep that those points and um, but if i do buy a player it's going to be for a perceived 90 minute man that i could just buy leave hopefully in my first team so maybe someone like size would be that guy left wing back of course this game week uh but yeah that's how i'm looking and uh, kane would be my captain i think it's west ham if i buy him i can just imagine west ham going for it after the last couple of game weeks and uh, kane potentially running riot um, we were who got the assist thanks very much for listening if you're a new listener and enjoyed the pod this week don't forget to hit that subscribe button you can listen to us all season long yes indeed thanks very much for tuning in be sure to rate us as well five stars preferably on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us if you want to join the podcast mini league it is CPSULF and if you have some correspondence to get in to break that record, it's who got the assist at gmail.com. We'll be back next week, hopefully after Ireland have beaten Slovakia for an international break friendly introducing Anthony podcast, which I'm sure you will all be looking forward to. Yep, I'm looking forward to that. It should be good fun. Uh, just a bit about us, I suppose, in the international, uh, in the international break. But in the meantime, I hope it's just you make sense of the madness for the second time. Uh, enjoy the international break and speak to you well, next week, if not ahead of the new game week, game week five. Goodbye. Slon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.